welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Turn the Page. I'm Jen, your host for today, and I'm here with uh, a really old friend from back in the days and uh, a really fabulous writer. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Yes, my name is Alex Segura. Uh, it's great to be here. I am the author of Secret Identity, a noir murder mystery set in 1975 New York City in the comic book industry. Um, and it follows a queer Cuban-American woman, Carmen Valdez, who moves from Miami to New York to pursue her dream of writing comics um, and finds that that dream is blocked off by her boss at this third-rate publisher called Triumph Comics. He basically says, look, I have a lot of friends I need to keep paid, and uh, I have other plans for you, which is obviously not what Carmen wants. And um, so she uh, she's approached by a colleague, a younger colleague named Harvey, who says, you know, I have this opportunity to launch a new superhero in the Triumph universe. Um, and I know you're a fan and I'd love for you to collaborate with me. The only wrinkle being you'd have to do it anonymously. But this is Carmen's dream. So she does it. And uh, they create this character called the Legendary Lynx. And it becomes a huge hit for Triumph. Uh, the only problem is Harvey is murdered. And so um, Carmen... Nobody knows Carmen's created this character, so she has to not only solve the mystery because of her friend, uh, you know, Harvey, but also because she wants to reclaim this 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 character that's so near and dear to her heart. Um, and the the novel Secret Identity also has comic book interstitial sequences uh, drawn by Sandy Gerald, who is an amazing comic book artist. And so you get the mystery, and you also kind of get to see the creative comic they've created, the, the comic book they've created. So it's it was fun, great. Happy to be here. I absolutely love um, the structure of this book with like the comic within the novel. And I have so many questions about New York and Miami and comics and everything. But before we get to the book itself, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, your writing history, because you are astonishingly prolific. <laughs> You've Thanks. Yeah. Across genre and media of all different kinds. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like what you've written and, you know, how this book kind of fits into your interests and your, your writing. Uh... For sure. Yeah. Um, I always knew I wanted to write. I, I think even before I kind of understood what it meant to be a writer, I think as kids, we create stories and we draw a little com or I drew little comics and was very into narrative and create being creative, a creative writer. And, um, I also, my first, I guess, big work was Silent City, which was my first novel, a mystery novel about um, a pr private investigator in Miami. Um, and I wrote that when I got my first kind of professional comic book gig uh, working at DC Comics in publicity. Um, and I think it was a byproduct of being homesick, uh, you know, having just moved to New York. Um, and so that really was the, the first thing. And, you know, I ended up doing five books in that series but also at that time at the same time writing comic books like uh for archie and other places and um i've written a lot of, yeah like you said i've written a lot of things in different genres like sci-fi like a poe dameron star wars novel different comic books uh whether they're company comics like archie stuff or for dc or for marvel but also my own creator own stuff like the black ghost or the awakened and things like that so 
I like to read in multiple genres and different spaces and different uh, mediums. And so that's kind of where my writing gravitates. I l I'll always have a spot for mystery and crime fiction and also comics. Um, and so that's kind of what Secret Identity is. It's like the nexus point of a lot of things I love, like, you know, uh, New York in the 70s, Miami, a lot of all, all my stories seem to gravitate back to Miami and, and you know, Cuban-American characters. And so it was important to include, make sure Carmen reflected that. And um, yeah, so in many ways, Secret Identity is a, a synthesis of a lot of different influences and, and things that I've written before all in one place. And so it's, it's really been great to see the response mm. be so positive. Yeah, this this book uh, kind of I saved it for this week because oh cool when I saw you at Comic Con uh, we had just booked a trip to uh, Miami actually for Thanksgiving we were like let's, oh let's skip the family stuff let's go to Miami <laughs> and it was my first time there and I loved it like it's such a great city yeah and it was really special to get to read this like right after having encountering the city for the first time and you know I'm I'm wondering like um. Because this book does like represent the intersection of two places, two cities that are very important to you, like Miami and New York. Mm -hmm. And um, like, what of your own experience of those places like makes its way into the book? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, it's like the duality of both places. Like they're so different, but also so important to me. And um, I, I think Carmen and I share that feeling of almost otherness in terms of just you you have this home and this culture and this background that you is so in, informs your life in so many ways and then you uproot yourself and go somewhere else um and new york is so different and i think you know being you know i've been a new yorker for a long time now but that initial period was so formative for me because new york can be a very lonely place i think you know especially if you're new to the city and it's overwhelming you're surrounded by people and and information and um, just change. And it's just a lot to process. And I wanted to relay that, but in a New York that doesn't really exist anymore. And in a comic book industry that doesn't exist anymore while not losing where Carmen was from. And I think, you know, she, even the, the story, the narrative of the story happens mainly in New York and you get flashbacks to Miami, but you also hopefully get a sense that Miami is part of her DNA and part of who she is and, and hard for her to kind of shake, not that she wants to, but it's just part of what she does and everything. Um, so there's a lot of me in that, uh, but it's obviously a different time period. You know, I'm, I'm not Carmen. I'm not, you know, I never worked in comics at that time. So there was a lot of research that went into the book to make it ring true and feel genuine, uh, which was fun and also an unexpected part of the journey. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about research because you really bring the city in the 70s to life in a real, uh, really vibrant way, as well as uh, the comic book industry at the time. Oh, cool. Um, and Thank I you. Think that you're welcome. And <laughs> something that really, um, you know, interested me about this, this might be a little bit of a left turn of a question, but, you know, when people think about comics and they're not, you know, super familiar with them, I feel like they tend to think about like, now in like the era of the extended universe where it saturates us or they think about like the golden age like when all these characters were being invented and mm -hmm. you know, they remember from their childhoods um like what do you think made comics in the 70s special because i don't i feel like people don't talk like think about that time a lot for it but it was like a really transformative moment and so i'm wondering yeah. like, what drew you to that time period that made you want to set it there and talk about comics in that age 
Yeah, that's yeah. It's definitely an underappreciated beat, I guess, in the history of comics. And I found it really fascinating because it stands in such stark contrast to comics today, or at least pop culture. Like um, comic books now are just woven into our day to day, like idea space. I guess you know we have a Moon Knight TV show, like an Ant Man movie, or like Peacemaker, or Suicide Squad, like all these characters that. Even for me as a kid reading comics in the 90s or starting to become a comic fan, we're not B-listers, but just we're not part of like the big idea of comics. And comics always felt like this insidery thing that it was a hobby. It, it, it didn't feel like everyone was into comics. And now it's this is not a criticism. It's actually awesome that you know comics are so widespread in their awareness, or at least in the characters are so widespread. Um, but in the seventies, there was this real sense that comics were dying. You know, there was not. You didn't have comic shops yet. You didn't have. You had newsstands, so you would go into a grocery store and kids would buy comics theoretically. But the business model was really flawed, in that companies had to overprint so much just to get that very prime real estate in newsstands. And it, there was no guarantees that the books were going to succeed. And so I think there was this sense that, you know, without the movies and without television, there was no real idea that comics were going to be what they are now. And it was kind of, you know, a, a thing you did, it was creative for sure, but it was a job. You did it and you cranked out your scripts or you wrote, drew your comics and then you went on to the next thing. It was much more of a uh, making the donuts kind of approach, like uh, as opposed to now it's all about intellectual property and multi-platform media. And like you create a comic and you hope that it becomes something else, but there's a path, I guess. And, and creators are rightfully much more concerned about ownership and they're, you know, having control of their ideas as they should as artists but i think back then it was very much like i'm hired to do this job and i'm going to do it and uh, i love comp maybe you were a fan but um fandom as it exists now didn't then you know it was it's much more something you created um as a gig as so, you know and um i think i wanted to show that contrast because i think everyone is aware of comics now through the modern day but there was a time when comics were not what they are and definitely new york was very different comics were very different and so i wanted to to kind of present that in a way where someone that's informed today could see the differences and be like oh that's interesting that there was a time that this was a very insular industry and it still is insular in a different way but um i wanted i, I definitely wanted to showcase that it made for an interesting backdrop for a murder mystery Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it marries like two of, you know, your big writing interests. And, you know, I found out that there were like a lot more links between them than I thought. Like, so mm -hmm. for instance, like you open the book with a quote from Jack Kirby and one from Patricia Highsmith. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Like one person from comics, one person from, you know, mystery. Yeah. And in the book, I learned that like Patricia Highsmith wrote comics too. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. So there has always kind of been these linkages, you know? Yeah. I feel like Patricia Highsmith, I mean, I love her work and I think she, she writes in a way her, her prose obviously is mesmerizing, but also she does this thing where she presents characters that are, in the gray area like not heroes and not villains and i think it i hope that when you read secret identity you realize obviously carmen is the hero and the protagonist but all the other characters are very flawed individuals that aren't necessarily good or bad and um and and i think that's something she does really 
well in her novels and yeah she wrote comics in the golden age and um i i, I thought she was such a important linchpin to the book you know kind of hovering around around the, the periphery and um and she's mentioned you know the, you know the price of salt is a huge influence um on secret identity uh and her all her other work and um yeah there's a lot of that a lot of like um the venn diagram of comics and noir hopefully uh, that's where secret identity falls Yes. Yeah, that's great. And I love, like, I just, I love both of those, you know, areas of uh, creative writing and uh, production. And it's really fun to see them married here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. So uh, kind of like a, a weird tangential question again, but like when you're writing something that is, uh, you know, your own work, not something for an IP, and mm-hmm. you get an idea for a story, um, what tells you that something should be a novel or a comic? That's a great question. And it's also, I think, related to, you know, the mediums are so different, like comics are so collaborative, you're very much working, you're, you have to be comfortable with your idea being taken by somebody else and tweaked and theoretically improved upon you hope that the artist is going to take your idea, add to it and make it greater than you ever anticipated. Like the thrill of comics is you send in the script or the story and the artist makes it better and great artists do that. They make it into something that you never anticipated. And that's the fun, I guess the alchemy of comics, but you also have to be up for that. And um, I think as creative people, there are ideas that pop into your head and you're like, yeah, I want to jam with someone on that. It's almost like music. Like you're, you're in a band, like you, you bring in a song and you, you want the other band members to add to it. But then there's also ideas that feel so personal and so just you that you selfishly just want to execute it on your own. And the funny thing about Secret Identity is that it felt like that. It was like, this is so me. Like, this is something that really feels personal and private and uh, like something that's so unique to my life that I want to just take control it, you know, selfishly. But then on the flip side, you also have these sequences in the novel that are comic books. And um, I had to find a partner, a creative partner that understood that and also had that sense of history and love for the medium of that time. And that's where Sandy was perfect. I've known Sandy a long time. He's a friend. We had this shorthand where I could, he understood immediately when I said he was the first person I approached and he understood immediately what I was trying to do and how we were trying to weave something into literal history. And I kind of love how the character has almost manifested itself. uh, The links particularly, like we've woven it into comic book history that we could almost like, will will it into existence like and so you know we're now working on actual links comics but with the conceit like with the conceit that these actually happened um you know with a wink and a nod you know they'll be presented as like written by harvey stern wink wink or drawn by doug detmer but it's me and sandy um because we both love the medium so much and so i i guess to answer your question sorry for that tangent but to answer it it's um it really depends on what you think the the idea needs in terms of collaboration and also like if it's a very visual idea then it would benefit from being a comic and so i usually tend to know instinctually where i want it to land like secret identity always felt like a novel to me it felt like a noir a very uh moody piece of that era that was rooted in prose but i think the comic book flourishes really add to it Mm. i hope (laughs) <laughs> do. Yeah, it's really fun to, you know, see how the text and the comic interact too, you know, because like in the text, you learn stuff about the context of the comic in like little drips and drabs. And so like it changes its meaning like, course, as you go through the story and you read it. And I. Oh, good. I'm so glad that worked because um, 
I think one of my fears too, just to be totally like <laughs> real about it, was like I, I didn't want people to think, oh, he's just like showing off, like he's putting in the comic stuff just to do it, and it's not additive. Like I think sometimes when you have these mashups, if if the two things being kind of woven together don't add to each other, it feels almost like performative. And I wanted it to be essential. Like you read, you need to read the comic sequences to fully understand like Carmen's struggle. Like there's, there's a moment without spoiling too much where she realizes that the comic, and it's, it's so funny that comic people, people that didn't know comics realized, Oh, you know, other people write them like they get taken away, like they're assigned to other creative people. Um, and there's this moment where she realizes that the links is going to be taken away. Like someone is going to, once they're through the script she wrote, someone else is going to write it. And that felt so um, not shocking. She knows the business, but it felt so frightening to her that someone else was going to write this character. And so there's that page where you actually see, um, somebody else's take on the character. And it, it's, you know, I wanted that back and forth, that kind of conversation between the mediums to really feel important and not just like, not just illustrations that accompany a novel, you know? Mm. Yeah, there is like this very interesting tension when you're writing comics and collaborating with an artist and not just an artist, but like, you know, a colorist and an inker and all those, mm -hmm. all the, everybody who's involved, you know, you have to sort of, own your part of the process but also like be willing to sort of let go you know of like things that might have mattered to you like to make the space for like somebody else's contribution and yeah. you do learn a lot of I think about like I don't know it's very therapeutic in a lot of ways you know working with an artist I'm like oh I'm like way better at communication now than I used to be <laughs> yeah no it's really fun because you you kind of think about well what do I definitely want in there and where do I have room to play and where do I want like an artist to have room to do what they want to do. Like you want it to always feel like a, uh, an equal partnership. And obviously secret identity is unique because it was my idea and it was something that I had kind of formatted, but I definitely wanted Sandy to evoke the comics he loved and evoke his style and bring that into it in a way that felt cool and, and interesting. You know, one thing that I really liked about it too, is that it, it portrayed the day to day of working in comics in a way that like, you know, as you were kind of saying before, like, depicts it as something of a slog, you know, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're underappreciated and overworked and all these things, but you also convey really well, like the reasons why people stick with it, like why they get into it and why it matters to them and why they're willing sometimes to deal with like really tough oh, good. work situations. And um, I'm wondering like, what about your own experience working on the other side of, you know, the comics desk too, like you, cause you've experienced the industry from so many angles. Like mm -hmm. how did that make its way into the book too? Yeah. I, it was really a blessing to have that experience of not just being a writer, but also having worn other hats, like an editor or a publishing type role or a marketing person. And so you kind of got to see how the sausage was made from different angles. And I kind of hate that term because it's kind of gross, but it's also the idea that you see how things come together, you know, how the books are put together, you know, what the colorist does, what the letterer does. And and I, I feel like there's this running sense in comics, even today that, you know, there's a, you do it because you love it. You don't do it for the payday. You don't do it necessarily for a claim, but you do it because you love the medium and you love this kind of fusion of, of a visual and, and, and literal storytelling. Um, uh, and and it, I wanted to showcase that, this idea that everyone's in the trenches because they're passionate for the medium. And I think it's, it's a much more press prevalent, you know, much more uh, imperative in that time period, because now I think, 
there's an awareness to comics and to the medium that wasn't there then. And so, you know, Carmen is, is almost working in secret. And um, there's this great book that I think I'd nod to in the acknowledgments called The Ten Cent Plague by David Haju. And it's about this crackdown that happened in comics in, in the fifties in horror, two horror comics, congressional crackdown, you know, cultural crackdown about the content. And, and the, at the beginning of the book, he interviews this woman that worked in comics during that time. And then after the, you know, the crackdown happened, she basically disappeared. And that was really like a, a fire starter moment for me when I read that. Cause I knew I had this idea. I wanted it to be comics. I wanted it to be a mystery. I wanted it to be kind of in the seventies, but Carmen hadn't walked into my brain yet. She hadn't shown up. And then when I read that, I was like, well, that's who it's gotta be. And then she appeared and, you know, kind of you, you set the table and you hope that the characters show up to have the meal. But, um, that's what really resonated for me is to show this, this person that loves the medium so much that, she's willing to do it no matter what. And she's willing to write a, you know, write the story and create this character and really pour her ideas into this thing, knowing that she'll never own it, you know, because, and then, you know, the, I think the point that makes the breaking point for her is when she's like, it's being taken away, like even beyond, like, I can't even like write it in secret anymore. Like someone else is going to take it. And so I wanted to show just how, how strong her love for comics had to be for that to happen. Yeah. It's, she's put into such a constrained space, you know, in terms of what she can make and what she can like command about her own work and even who can see her work. And that a lot of that I think is because of like the industry at that time and also her identity, you know, and being an outsider in her office, all these different things. Um, But it does really speak to her passion that she's willing to endure like this pretty, pretty not so great you know <laughs> yeah not <laughs> ideal get her stories out there yeah and the way that like the links comes from you know not only just her creative impulses but from so much of her experience uh as a woman in Miami and as a Latina woman and as a transplant in New York you know mm-hmm. so much is informing that character I had a question about one particular scene. Yeah. <laughs> There's a scene where um, Carmen goes to a writing class at Florida International mm-hmm. and uh, she sees a professor speak. And I actually like I, I Googled the professor's name to see if it was a real person. <laughs> but um, I wondered if that was, was that inspired by a real person or by a real writing mentor of yours. Yes, it's so funny that you bring that up because I ran into her, uh, Alexandra Lighton, who's uh, who was my first creative writing teacher at FIU. Ironically, I was it was like a creative one hundred and two class, like a very introductory poetry class. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, there's a ton of little nods and hat tips to people. Like it's never a one for one, like, you know, there's a character named Rich Berger, who's a comic book editor. And obviously everyone knows Karen Berger, who's this legendary, like founder of Vertigo and a friend of mine. And so they're not meant to be like, oh, that's her, or that's, this is her, but it's very, it's just my opportunity to kind of tip the hat at people who were helpful to me in my journey creatively. And as a, just a human. Um, and so, yeah. Definitely, that was a, a little wink to my teacher um, and a thank you. And I did get to talk to her about it. Like she knew I, I mentioned to her, I was like, hey, this this character is named after you in this book. And then we got to talk about it at Miami Book Fair. We ran into each other in Miami not long ago and um, and she got to pick up the book and I got to dedicate a copy to her, which was really awesome for me. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of that. It's a very personal book for me just to have those little moments to people that were important and also just you never want it to take away from the book you know I want people to read it and if they don't get the jokes they don't get who these characters are but they enjoy the story like it's a it's a page turner that's what matters to me but for someone 
to read it and also pick up on these little Easter eggs. That's cool too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I noticed that a mutual friend of ours was in there too. There's a character mm-hmm. named Trunick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our friend Austin Trunick has been on this show too. He talked about his. Oh, character. it's such a great book. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it's it's very much an Austin book like that. He can go into so much detail into this like very obscure Hollywood production company. It's so fascinating. We were talking about it not long ago, just kind of. Uh, it's so him uh but yeah you know austin and i work together at dc and and there's a little greek chorus of characters in triumph comics like han and trunic and mullen and other characters that are just kind of around so those are just like opportunities to like say thanks to people in in a very low-key way Mm. yeah it's really it's nice to do that because i yeah me and my writing partner and uh artist sophie also love to sort of like name drop people or basically oh how is sophie doing (laughs) great she's yeah. great uh, there's you know we're writing our next comic right now awesome. uh, so yeah it's fun to be it's fun to be back in comics and this is a great book to read like while you are trying to get your head back in comics after a little bit of time away mm-hmm. you get like so immersed in the world and it does like a great job of like reminding you like how much there is to love about comics and the making of them and the people who make them and reading them and oh good like yeah it's a a really beautiful love letter you know a realistic one and like not you know not like not a rose-colored glasses one but like still yeah warts and all hopefully that's good i'm glad to hear that (laughs) um are you uh working on anything at the moment that you're able to talk about or what's what's next for you yeah i mean literally coming out next in a couple months uh early next year is a ya superhero novel marvel novel called uh aranya spider-man 2099 dark tomorrow and so it's it's a team up between two of the more pro- most prominent like Latinx spider heroes in a kind of spider verse type adventure. Um, and so that's coming out in May. Um, and I'm working on this, a book called Alter Ego, which is a sort of sequel to Secret Identity. It'll be set in the modern day and feature a new protagonist who um, who once worked in comics. She was an artist in comics and left the industry. Just she just got burnt out on comics and, and took a job as a, you know, a blanking a storyboard artist in movies and so that you know becomes her career and she's a mom and she's kind of you know not in the industry but then she sees an announcement that a company has been formed to you know pursue media opportunities for a library of characters based on this old comic book company called triumph comics and so they're relaunching this character this obscure 70s character called the Lynx, and she's then approached to take a pass at drawing the character. And so she loves this character. She grew up reading the character, um, but it also pulls her into this darker mystery of the origins of the character and who actually created it. And you find out that she's much more intrinsically tied to it than you first thought um, in terms of her role in, in the character or what her role in is in the creation of the character, but it opens the door to Carmen coming back. And I think the best way to get a sense of what this book is going to be is to read the epilogue of secret identity, which tees it up in a very direct and indirect way. You know, you kind of meet a character that's essential to the book, but you also kind of get a sense thematically of what it might be. And so that, you know, the, the, the epilogue of the book was not in the first draft. And then I was talking to Zach Wagman, my editor, who is amazing and such a great collaborator. And he's like, I think people will want to know what happens to Carmen or at least have an idea of what might happen without spoiling too much of the book. Um, And so that's really where alter ego springs out of. So Carmen shows up in some degree, she's not the star of the book because I think she had her moment. Secret identity is very much Carmen's moment, but she, you can't tell a story about the links or these characters without her being there. So I think the interplay between Carmen and the new protagonist, Annie is been the most fun part of the book. 
Wow, that sounds amazing. I'm so, so excited. I hope, yeah. Yeah, and it's really, it's like a, a little, a, a, an analysis of fandom and what happens when the things we love are kind of flawed through their creators. Like, you know, when something you are so passionate about as a fan becomes twisted because the, the talent behind it or the companies behind it aren't acting the way you would want like what happens and that's that's been an interesting journey for me as a fan of so many different things like how do i feel when it just doesn't go the way i think it should go and you know like there's a lot a lot to chew on there and it's definitely not an answer it's more just like echoing the question Mm. You know, as you were speaking, like that sort of recontextualized the epilogue for me too, because I was also, I'm like, ooh, so intrigued. And, but, you know, while you were talking, I'm like, you know what? Like it, it feels almost like um, a post credit scene, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like a stinger. Like you're not, you could, yeah. you could have the book and it, end, it could end the way it ends and that's it. And it becomes this very finite standalone. And then you see the post credit scene and you're like, oh, there's more to this. And that's, that's where I'm at now, which has been fun to explore. And it's definitely been hard. Because I always saw Secret Identity as this own singular thing, and it can be, and I want this book to stand on its own, the sequel to stand on its own and be its own thing too. But if you read them both, you get something more out of it. Mm. I mean, sometimes like hinting at the wider world can in a paradoxical way, like make your thing like more alive in a way because you're hinting at like what what lies beyond it and that kind of grounds it more that was not as coherent a thought as I wanted no 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 I get it yeah it's (laughs) and I guess that's been the challenge of writing this book because I definitely want it to be I don't want I mean it's always going to be couched like this is the the sequel and but it's not a sequel in the way like Guardians of the Galaxy volume two is a sequel you know like it picks up you know it's like literally chapter two like this is a thing that happens in the same world it involves some of the similar themes and characters and moments and but it's all it's very much its own thing and it it explores them in the way that secret identity explores like creation and how important creation is and identifying with your creation this is much more about that but also like carrying the torch on an idea and what the weight of that brings and what happens when you realize that there's more to the characters you're working on than you first thought yeah that's yeah. so exciting. I love when that happens. And I like to think of it as like, they are different stars in a constellation, you know? Yeah, like yeah exactly. <laughs> it's not just like one and two. It's just they're kind of in the same space. Time has passed. And I think people want to see what Carmen's up to, to some degree. I hope. I, 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 I do too. Yeah. As I write I it, I'm like, I'm what is she doing? With everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming to talk with us. I love this conversation and I love this book. And I am so deeply excited for your next two projects because they both- Oh, thank you so great yeah yeah it was so great to reconnect at, at the con and, and to have this opportunity to chat and uh, i hope we can do it again yeah absolutely like you are welcome back anytime like i hope you'll For talk sure. about um, both these projects with us so yeah definitely thanks again no problem all right listeners you can pick up secret identity as of this moment at your favorite bookstore or library whichever you know whichever place you like to get your books check it out i highly recommend it um this has been jen in conversation with alex segura and it is time to close this chapter it's time to close this chapter of turn the page join us for the next episode